to Island Minds, a mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. And welcome back to Island Minds. This is episode two of series two, and I am never going to get tired of saying series one, series two, series three, four, five, six. <laughs> I mean, my brain just imploded at the idea of this, but only because I hate change. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, I've just, I've had a a thought so by the time this episode airs here we're going to be very different people because volume two of stranger things would have happened oh god oh no so this is a recording to myself to remind myself it's going to be okay (laughs) i swear to god if steve dies (laughs) it's going to be steve eddie or murray like it's going to be one of them them. or all of them i actually (laughs) said to mark who's our upcoming guest this episode and I will uh, get back to that but I said to him I'm almost I almost want the show to be cancelled just so that none of the characters die <laughs> like that's how much I love all the characters although obviously no I don't but no well the Duffer brothers have said it's going to be a punch in the heart so yep yep Steve's dead <laughs> <laughs> oh god someone's gonna die yeah. they need to form a protective ring around eddie immediately <laughs> so yeah sorry we digressed um my fault although it is in keeping uh with our guest i guess we know what we're talking about yeah right? yeah <laughs> so how are you tia yeah uh pretty good thank you good 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 yeah, how are you yeah um much of the same yeah so series two so I feel like we learned a lot in series one not just about different people's experiences but I felt like we learned a lot as well I feel like we're gonna learn a lot as well going forward but I think one of the things we discovered during series one was the importance of language and how language can have a profound effect either positively or negatively and um interestingly very recently on twitter i saw a post that referred to certain mental illnesses as fashionable now what they meant was that some are more socially acceptable than others but what they wrote was they were more fashionable which is obviously quite a dangerous use of the word and really gives it the wrong implication so it's just interesting to me how language is used and how it can affect the way we talk about mental health because they have a good point and I know we're going to cover this in greater detail um, in a later episode but it does give you sort of food for thought that we generally tend to accept anxiety depression to a degree OCD as as mental illnesses that we know about they exist and that's okay but I feel like things like borderline personality disorder or psychosis people seem to accept them less they don't seem to be as socially acceptable 
So is yeah, just a really interesting thought on language. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and um like Becky said in, in our last episode, when she thought she was gonna be diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, she was so worried because of the stigma because she yeah. said people think of it as uh, like the mad axe murder illness, which is yes. really sad. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely seem there does seem to be, you know, a, a divide of yeah, you know, those more in quotes acceptable yes illnesses. Um and and language is so important. Even the language of and I know we've spoken about this before, but the language of conditions as well. Um mm. borderline personality disorder is one of the big ones that's again quotation marks. <laughs> perhaps not as acceptable um but that's also called EUPD emotionally unstable personality disorder and there's so much to learn and keep learning um and reflect on in terms of language and and how we approach that yeah and it's fair to say we might get it wrong sometimes as we're still learning but we will always if we've ever said something that isn't quite right we'll always always try to do better next time we'll always listen to feedback and things like that um, something I've very recently become conscious of on Twitter is, in terms of language, is the phrase, it's okay to not be okay. While it has good intentions, it actually can be quite problematic to some people. Now, I think it's just a bit of a, it, it's semantics. It does have good intentions, but we would actually like to hear from our listeners. So we'd like to know how you feel about the phrase, it's okay to not be okay. Because it there does seem to be a bit of a divide online. Some people accept that it's saying, actually your feelings are valid and it is absolutely okay to not be okay all the time. But other people don't like it because it's saying it's okay to feel like crap and actually it's not okay to feel like crap no one should have to feel like crap but I think it's it's how the phrase is used and I'm not sure how I feel about the debate but yeah it's just interesting um I don't I don't know how you feel it is so interesting and when you initially told me I had that gut reaction of like being defensive because this yeah. phrase so much to me and um and then when I reflected and spoke to people about it I thought, actually I can completely see why this would be would be damaging um I think we are going to have a really great discussion about this um in a later episode which is which is exactly why we'd love your thoughts because you know we we would love to discuss it and that's all well and good but we want to hear from other people we want to you know we're not the authority on anything (laughs) yeah we want to know what people think and, and make sure we give it a fair discussion rather than just our opinions on it yeah yeah so we would love to hear from you so if you have any thoughts on the phrase it's okay to not be okay whether you're for it against it or just have some observations on it please do get in touch with us you can email us or you can contact us via any of our social media pages so twitter instagram and facebook so yeah please do let us know and then we will have a discussion about that at a later date Yes, and um, just to say our email is in our show notes, I believe, or on our page. Yes, it is in all those things. Okay, <laughs> all of the above. Excellent. Very cool. Well, that was the thing. 
that was, wasn't it? That that's yes. that's gone well. <laughs> <laughs> that's gone well. So this episode, Tia. Yes. So I interviewed my friend Mark, who has his own podcast called Creative Psychopaths that I've guested on a couple of times and will continue to guest on, which is great fun. Um, it's a horror movie podcast. I am plugging it now because I very rudely forgot to ask Mark if he had anything to plug, um, even though I'd said I would. Um, so yeah, please check out his podcast. It's amazing, um, as is he. And you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and he's on all social media. He also has a Discord group. But yeah, go check it out. Um, I also forgot to thank him for his interview, which is you know very rude I mean I, I thanked him like when we'd stopped recording um and in messages later but yeah in the interview it just sounds very abrupt at the end so thank you Mark you did a wonderful job and I really appreciated you talking to me and I'm sure it's going to help people to hear about your experiences uh we talk about or Mark talks about his uh history of living with depression men's mental health he also talks about binge eating disorder which is really interesting. I didn't know much about it. I just wanted to say, just quickly, there is a point where we're discussing suicide and I talk about uh, there being, like it being good to normalise the conversations because unfortunately sometimes in services it can be a bit of, you know, red alert, send the cavalry when someone even says the word. And while I do believe we need to normalise that and I, I do think that needs to change, I also completely appreciate especially as someone who works in services, that services do that for a reason and they have to make sure they're taking care of people and doing everything they can in their power to, to look out for people. So I just, just wanted to say that wasn't, wasn't me saying they're getting that wrong. But yeah, he, as I said, there's lots he discussed. I know you have some statistics, Hannah, around, around some of those issues. Yeah, binge eating disorder does come under the eating disorder umbrella but I feel like it is quite not an unknown one people have heard of it but I I feel like people brush that off slightly more so than they do other eating disorders and I think it's very stigmatized so it's been really interesting listening I know we've been through some of these statistics in previous episodes but I just think it's really important that people really understand the seriousness of eating disorders because eating disorders are responsible for more loss of life than any other mental illness and the sad fact is they're not getting any less if anything they're actually becoming more and more common and just a couple of statistics from so I got these from Priory just for reference so between one and 3.4 million people in the UK are affected by eating disorders and around 25% of those affected by an eating disorder are male. So yeah, um, and most eating disorders will develop during adolescence, although there are cases of eating disorders developing in children as young as six. So yeah, it, it is a serious thing. And I feel like eating disorders are we say this, I think, about everything we talk about, still highly stigmatised. There was a documentary on um, a couple of months ago that highlighted Nikki Graham's journey with anorexia. I highly recommend it as a watch because it was very interesting. I mean, it's quite upsetting, but it really did highlight the, the reality 
of living with an eating disorder. Obviously, that that covered um, anorexia, which is probably the most well-known eating disorder. It's not that I forget, but every time I come back to the, st- the statistic that it has highest mortality rate of mental illnesses, I'm always shocked. Yeah. When I re when I reread that, every time, even though I know that, and we talked about it so often, every time I, I am shocked. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I found it's interesting you said um, binge eating disorder, you know, sort of less known. And I, I felt the same because I hadn't, I'd come across the term, but I didn't really know much about it. But Mark was saying that it's actually one of the more common of the eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And actually, when I was looking at statistics, I found that um, over one million people in the UK with binge eating disorder it is actually quite common and just not I feel like it's not talked about a lot and I I wonder if there is almost are are people embarrassed to talk about it is it the stigma that's stopping people talking about it yeah Yeah. and I think that interestingly I think part of that comes back to language because I think Mm. we've I think we've trivialized the word binge Yes. Not only in terms of like, you know, binging TV, things like that. But when we talk about binging food, like, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of saying it. Like I would, mm-hmm. you know, binge eat, but it's not, when you really look at what that is, it's not, it's not the same thing at all. No. Um, so the, the NHS describe it as binge eating disorder involves regularly eating a lot of food over a short period of time until you're uncomfortably full. Binges are often planned in advance, usually done alone, and may include special binge foods, which you may feel guilty or ashamed after eating. Yeah. Uh, men and women of any age can get binge eating disorder, but it does usually start in late teens or early 20s. So that's that's direct from the NHS website. Yeah. I was just going to say, talking about being shocked by statistics, I was looking at general men's mental health statistics and even though I'm, I've read these before, I, I'm always shocked. Three times as many men die by suicide as women. Men aged 40 to 49 have the highest rates of suicide in the UK. Men are also less likely to access psychological therapies. Only 36% of NHS referrals to talking therapies are from men. Even a sort of a small example of this podcast, we always have an outpouring of women that are happy to talk to us but it can be slightly harder to find men that are comfortable talking about their mental health for the men that have come on to our podcast thank you for hopefully inspiring others to do the same yeah yeah and they've all all, you know all of our guests have been amazing all the men Mm. have been I I was just gonna say like I was I was really proud of Mark for coming on because he he talks about being from a generation where men are stoic and don't talk about these things. Um, yeah. So I, I know it can't have been easy for him. But it is a really great interview. Thank you, Mark. Hey, guys. This is your friendly neighbourhood co-host, Tia, very nicely, and let's be honest, very awkwardly, asking if you could please rate and review where possible. You can like and share our social media pages or leave us ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's very quick and easy and we really appreciate it. And we'd love to hear your feedback. 
I mean, preferably good feedback because we do have anxiety, but you know, whatever you feel like. Thank you. Hello, Mark. Hello. Thanks for joining us. I say us, it's just me. We are Hannahless, but thank you for joining me. Uh, you, you're welcome, yeah. I think. <laughs> How does it feel to be on that side of the microphone? Oh, the, on the interview, interviewee side? Yeah, it's fine, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I want the control. Yeah. Give me the control. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit about your mental health journey? And I know you wanted to speak particularly about living with depression. Yeah, yeah. So I started realising um, after I lost a job that I sort of, well, I didn't think I loved it at the time, but because the job that I was in was sort of shut down through necessity. Like I didn't want to leave. And I sort of realized that I was feeling, you know, not myself, but I didn't put, I couldn't put a finger on it. And it was probably even years after where I realized that I was starting to lose who I was. And, and I remember, I can't remember the particular reason I actually went to the doctors at the time and it wasn't for it, but I did mention to them that I'd been feeling, you know, like low and, and, and not great. Yeah. This word depression came up. Now, a lot of people, well, I don't know, even yourself, like when you first hear it, if you don't know anything about depression, it just puts a, you think, oh, I'm just sad. I just feel sad. Yeah. It doesn't equate to an illness. It equates to being sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least, you know, that was how I had it at first. But again, I sort of, I, I mentioned it to my wife, you know, the doctor says I've got depression. But yeah. again, you know, between the between the two of you, you go, well, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know. I feel like crap. <laughs> yeah. But again, probably, I probably let that run on even longer. To the point of, you know, not wanting to be here anymore, basically. And so, of course, and I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. The, I don't know why there's this sort of feeling of not wanting to get help. But eventually, you know, I went to see a doctor mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And remember, sort of explaining this to them, and they sort of. Well, they they put me on medication, but yeah, I remember I remember crying a lot in the the doctor's thing because I, I, and it's going to sound weird, but I was I couldn't I was so happy that they believed me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know that, what I mean? That but, doesn't sound weird at all. Totally get what you mean. Yeah, and it was like, and then of course, I found myself. I find myself entirely interested if I've, if I've got an illness, which is weird. I yeah. find myself entirely interested. So uh, I, I did my research. I found out what my medication was doing to my brain um, mm. and, you know, what what I could do for my mental health. But the thing is, and I think anyone with mental health will tell you, it's, it's easy to take it on board and it's really easy to dish it out as advice. Yeah. But actually, but actually doing any of the things that you know are going to um, help you is very, very tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. 
really difficult. You know, it's like you're saying, oh, well, yeah, I could, go, I could go out and exercise, but, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. And, and depression particularly is, it's so hard to get out of it and and to do anything that would actually help. And sometimes nothing helps and you just have to get through it. And mm. Like such an awful thing to think, but I'm doing yeah. just kind of how it is. It says, yeah, and I think for a long time, I let it define me as well. Yeah. I let, I let myself become my depression. And that was all I was in my yeah. head. That's all, that's all I was. That was, I was just this dark cloud of, you know, of, of nothing but just trudging through the world. And that's how, that's how I felt. And obviously, and it's hard for people around you to understand what you're going through, especially, I think, especially if someone's never had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. you know they can't they can't have a frame of reference for it and they don't and they don't blame for blame them for that because you know obviously I had many many years where I wasn't depressed and I would have been exactly the same as people are to me where I'd be like oh, go on just cheer up <laughs> yeah. yeah turn your frown upside down it's like yeah if I could I would do but you know it took every ounce of energy I got this morning to get out of my bed yeah 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 and that is, you know, it's, it's something you might hear a lot of. Those who have been through it will hear a lot. But getting out of bed is a massive victory when you're depressed. Yeah, yeah. And I think to a degree, uh, over time, I've been able to give myself those victories as well. Yeah. I think if you can give yourself the small victories, if you, you know, even if I woke up that morning not, happy enough that I woke up not annoyed that I, that I didn't wake up you know it's a, just a small victory and you've got to take them as they come yeah so yeah I, I don't I don't know that I that I can explain how how it makes me feel and I think I have done a bit but further to that I ended up trying every single antidepressant under the sun including and I can't remember the name of it, and I don't think we need to know, but there's there's one that specifically makes you crave carbs. Um, oh, wow. I didn't I, – I took that one on. That was actually the only one that made me feel better mentally. Yeah. But it did specifically, like, I just wanted to eat all the time. Mm. So I just stopped taking antidepressants dead. And I hadn't taken them until very, very recently. But there's more to my journey than that, which is that eventually over time, I got diagnosed with an eating disorder that I didn't realize was an eating disorder. Okay. Which was, um, it's called, well, it's called binge eating disorder or BED. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, really hard to explain. And I think if, if someone someone might understand what bulimia is which is a binge and a purge mm-hmm. whereas binge eating disorder is literally a binge sometimes yeah. um, sometimes and sometimes it does come with a purge because i can uh, it's something that i still i'm still fighting now and i, I wish i could get a handle on it but i i'm finding it tricky but, yeah. but anyway the the binge eating disorder was a huge step forward for me because my weight's always been a problem and it's always got me down. Yeah. But 
to have to sit down with someone it was um mental the mental health team and you know sat down and over a few weeks they were like like you've got this basically so it's like and i don't even know how to explain it because it's basically is an un, uncontrollable need to eat yeah you know and it is like it basically eating your feelings mm-hmm. to the to the sometimes when i'm not hungry sometimes you know over the top portions you know though things like that and that's i found that really difficult because it's so hard to explain to someone you know i think like i said with depression and i've got a little bit of anxiety but not quite as much i think it's while it is hard to explain it's easier for people to get a grip on that but whereas with the binge eating thing it's a case that a lot of people think well just don't eat yeah or just just eat in moderation like it's not an actual disorder that you can just eat in moderation yeah (laughs) and i've 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 really i've really struggled with it um and i lost a lot of weight recently because i ended up going to slimming world yeah well, I know I say I lost it recently. I lost it and put it back on because reflecting on it now, and I've, I've been going back to the doctors recently, Slimming World is, while it is a good thing, I, I really think it is, it, I was swapping one binge for another. Right. Because they offer what you call free foods. Yeah. So these are the foods where they go, look, you can eat as much of this food as you want and you will lose weight. And you do lose weight, but I didn't, my brain didn't do it. I didn't take it in as a health, a new healthy lifestyle. I just sort of, I don't know how to explain it. My brain just went, well, we just swapped one binge for another here. Yeah. But I didn't see it at the time. My wife actually did. She said to me, you're eating too much. You're eating too much food, you know, cause I'd have all this free food and I'd have like a huge bowl's worth of food. She's like, that's far too much food. I'm like, well, it's all free. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like I say, I'd, I'm like an advocate for it. I think a lot of people, you know, get a lot out of it. But I think, on reflection, if you've got something like binge eating disorder, it doesn't. It's not yeah. helpful because it, like I say, it allows you to continue disordered eating. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so odd. I remember when they called it disordered eating and not an eating disorder. It made it, it makes more sense when they say it like that, you know, like, you know, they'd be like, well, if you're eating more food than your body needs, then it's a, it's a, it's disordered eating. It's not eating the way that you should be eating. So, you know, and apparently it is like more common than actually any of the other eating disorders and yet, and yet not as well known about. No. Because like I say, it doesn't come with any of the, what you might call well like you say the purges or the the not eating it doesn't mm. but it still destroys your body yeah and <laughs> and your mental health yeah yeah it's a, it's just a strange thing and i think oh, do, i mean i'm a child of the 80s so you know there's easily probably reasons for my past that i eat my feelings but <laughs> <laughs> we weren't exactly uh we weren't exactly the healthy living people that we get today. But yeah, anyway, so I've come off the slimming world journey and yeah. I just started putting on weight again. And the more weight I put on, the unhappier I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to have to go 
back to the doctors here because again I'm feeling super low and you know <clears throat> I've always anchored anchored myself to my children like I've always thought at least they'll they keep me here mm. I don't uh, but I could I could feel that anchor becoming less and less I I um yeah, like I say, I had to um, I had to go back to the doctor. Basically, I, I knew I did, and I felt like I had to. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I went I went back, and now I am on antidepressants, the, like the original ones I originally took, and they actually do seem to have made a big difference. Yeah. The only the only thing is, I have had a few like small side effects from them. I think they are affecting my sleep. I think that's that's something. Yeah. You know, affecting my sleep and I started, I started grinding my teeth oh, right yeah yeah um, the side effects of antidepressants are weird like yeah. you don't even think about yeah. um, but it's amazing that you'll find they are helping because it is um well you know it's like what, what's the phrase I'm looking for just blind search in the dark basically when, for finding ones that suit you and yeah, yeah wait it out a few weeks see if they do but they can be amazing yeah I get the feeling what happened originally was I was more eager to get more like higher doses into me yeah and I've now I've I'm on the lowest dose and I thought these are all right so discussing with my doctor because they kind of wanted me to go up a dose and I'm like I actually feel fine so yeah. I don't think we'll I don't think we'll bother doing that. Yeah. As you well know, I started my own podcast and that's actually been Oh, have you? I've I've not <laughs> <laughs> That's actually been really great for me because hmm. I've never had a, a hobby I really enjoyed doing. But it turns out I'm quite good at editing, or at least I think I am. Um and so I enjoy doing that and it keeps me busy. Yeah. And I've had this well, dipping back into my mental health journey. And I say I haven't had much anxiety. I've actually suffered quite badly with social anxiety. Yeah. And I've lost a lot of friendships through my own fault because I don't I don't keep in contact with people because I'm actually really quite good at texting people. Mm. Uh, um, you know, like talking over text and stuff like that. But if I get in the flesh, in the flesh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's your horror talk coming through. <laughs> no. no, but if I if I was in a pub or something like that, my yeah. whatever happens, my brain just clams up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I and I'm not myself anymore. Whereas yeah. I found with this, you know, I'm comfortable on Zoom because. You know, we're not in the same room. Yeah. And yeah. I was just going to say, you're in your safe space. Yeah. My home's yeah. a big safe space for me. And I found actually, it's I'm I'm a bit worse since COVID, and not not the you know fear of germs element, but they're just oh god, I'm not around, not used to being around people as much, and I didn't realise how much yeah. it affected me. But I yeah, I've been struggling. Yeah, it is tricky. Yeah. Yeah, we well, that just 
destroyed a lot of people, didn't it? The old uh, COVID thing. Yeah. And then um, we sort of came out of that and then or it felt like we were coming out of that and then suddenly there's a war going on in the world. And <laughs> I mean, I have to everything. say, like, you know, you know I have dark humour, but the amount of, like, memes just like, what is happening? <laughs> what are we? What yeah. are we living through? It feels like we're in the backstory of like some hero's adventure later on. He's like back when the apocalypse yeah. war. Yeah. yeah, feels like we're in that stage. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we'll. It's hard in terms of that because it's obviously piled on top of you, and then especially yeah. if you. If you're dealing with degrees of mental health where people don't often realise that, and I don't know if it is hand in hand, but everybody I know who's got a depression or anxiety overthinks absolutely every single thing to the point of, you know, scenarios that can't even, won't even ever happen. Yeah. You know, to the point of believing them outright that it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um. I was going to talk about, I know one of the big things you want to talk about was men's mental health in general. And I know you said Hmm. to me, you've found it hard to talk to people about your mental health or for people to understand aspects of it. And do you think that's part of a wider problem with men's mental health specifically? Well, it is with men's mental health because... I wish I, uh, number one, I wish I could do more for men's mental health. And I'm sure, I'm sure I could have tried really hard. Um, (laughs) What I've discovered is with, with a lot of my friends and some of my friends have mental health issues and I can talk to them fine. Mm. But for the ones that don't, that's where you specifically get those people who would just tell you to cheer up or, or, or a complete disinterest in that. You know, yeah. that's it's not something that I don't. It's not, it's not something I want to talk about. Yeah, and I know I've tried. I'm not. I'm not overly clever in these things, but I've tried my best to sort of study it a little bit. And I know there is a degree of actual sort. Of, yeah, like nature to it. Like men have got this sort of alpha male quality. Mm. A lot of a lot of them do, and and nobody wants to show any kind of weakness. Yeah. I think things have got better even in the past couple of years. And I think also COVID has actually, that might be the one thing that it helped with Mm. is that a lot more men came out, you know, talking to their friends about this thing that's affecting them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it's a subject I could say a lot about. And yet now I I find myself... (laughs) that's okay um i think so much of it is just societal roles um still you know it's obviously getting better and better but hannah and i spoke about paternity and the way men's roles are around pregnancy and having children like that's still so backwards and often like when we talk about that we think about it being backwards for the woman but actually is still really backwards for the for the men and and mm-hmm. still having like that brief paternity and then it's like you go back to work you're the caregiver you're the provider you're the strong one and I think all of that is still very toxic and it is yeah 
it's in, it's getting better, but it's still still a massive problem. Yeah, I think there's a you know there is obviously I think I think the word is postpartum depression for women. Yeah, but I I, I don't think anyone considers the depression potentially that men get from it. Mm-hmm. You know, because of I don't know the way that it is. And I, I don't know. I, think, I get the feeling that a lot of men like the idea of being, you know, the caregiver and things like that. But when there's only two of you, you're the, you're the starring role of that. Mm. But when there's three of you, you become a bit of a bit part player. Yeah. I, I very rarely hear anybody talk about that. Mm. How how having babies affects men mm. and sometimes sometimes the way that men get treated as 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 fathers the word the words be the words used so often are crueler than you think and it, it isn't it's gonna sound stupid but I don't want to be compared to the babysitter yeah no it's not stupid at all Hannah and I spoke about this she was I think I remember you saying yeah Yeah. someone said is Jack gonna babysit like what do you mean he's her dad he's gonna look after her the same way I would yeah what a bizarre thing to say but it it happens so often it happens so often it's like oh is dad but is dad babysitting tonight it's like well no I'm just looking after the kids the way I normally would yeah like you're doing it for a hobby and you might just jump in every now and then (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, but it, it adds a little bit to what I was saying about you lose your, I, I don't know any other way to put it, but you lose your sort of starring role. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You, bump, you suddenly, you're not even, you're not even 50% of the parents, you know, yeah. the babysitter. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know. yeah and a lot, a lot of that is, don't get me wrong, a lot of that is the women do go through, you know, the hell of having being pregnant and given yeah. birth and there is there is a whole a whole lot to that you know uh, but like i say having babies and children i think it doesn't get talked about enough for men no and it's you know talking about it more doesn't mean diminishing the struggles of the women or invalidating that like you you know perhaps we no, can support no. them, support them both what we support everyone yeah but, and surely that's the best way to look after the child as well, like giving both parents support, right? <laughs> well, you'd think so. Just think society's still so, so backwards with those roles. Um, it's a real shame. Yeah, it is. Like I say, uh, the, the problem, the thing with men's mental health is a lot of us. Um, and it, it's less likely for the new generations now, but a lot of us from my generation, we were, it's a sort of stoic, you know, men don't, mm-hmm. men don't do these things. We yeah. don't talk to each other about our feelings. We don't, we don't embrace our feelings. You, you bottle them up. You can be angry if you want to, or you can, yeah. you can shout and things like that, but, but don't, don't show any kind of weakness, but it's, T- totally like trying to escape the idea of of it being weakness yeah like i said i think the moment you realize that you've got a mental health issue and then you look at it and you go oh 
you know what? I'm just, I'm ill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. ill. And, you know, if I, people say this all the time, but if you broke your leg, you deal with it. Yeah. But when it comes to mental health, so many people have dealing with it on their own. Yeah. And I hate to, well, I don't hate to say it because it's just true fact, but unfortunately I've known a couple of people recently who've, haven't reached out and you know took their own life yeah um like i say these are men that i knew and i just i just feel it just feels awful to know that i guess you assume things but i just assume that they just didn't didn't couldn't reach out to anyone you know they just dealt with it on their own yeah. And you hear so often, what you hear so often is that when that happens, people always say, Hey, they were you know, they were so happy and I never knew anything about that. Yeah. And I don't know what you think, but sometimes the mask of being okay is the most tiring thing you can possibly you can possibly do. The the mask of being okay is that's what I think sometimes that's what will um, drag you down by the end of the day. That's what leaves you at the end of the day feeling like so tired. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next day you wake up and you know, you're going to have to put that mask on again. Yeah. And then the days when you're not wearing your mask, cause you can't, everybody wants a piece of you that day. What's wrong with you? Why are you not so? Why are you not happy today? Yeah. Oh, stop being so miserable! It's like just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. I'm I'm doing as much as I can. I made yeah a relatively small mistake at work today, and I had a complete meltdown to my supervisor because. I've just had a mask on for weeks and I do it to myself. I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I said to Matt earlier, actually, I, I was like, I'm, I'm like a shark. I just got to keep moving. It's fine. <laughs> so I don't feel it. It's fine. And then it always catches up. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And my, exhausting. Yeah. I think my thing is, I don't, I usually, I know I do. No, I'd, I don't know why I was, you know, I was going to say to you that I don't break down. But I do. I don't know why I was going to say that I don't, but I, I do. Yeah. And it does the same as what you just said. It becomes suddenly very overwhelming. And, but it all floods out at once then. And then you really feel like you just, you just want everyone to go away and yeah. for, it to, for the world to just switch off for a little bit. Which is exactly why we need to talk about suicide more because so many people like, it's just about wanting to, like a lot of people don't, I mean, Hannah talked about this in our uh, episode on suicide. In a lot of cases, people don't want to die. They just don't want to be living like at that moment because they're so tired and they just want to switch yeah. off. Yeah. Um, and I think there's even in services, there's a big sort of like panic, red, red alert if someone even says the word, when actually it's really normal to have those thoughts when you're feeling that low and, and talking about it and, and normalising the conversation might 
stop them getting to that point because yeah. if they don't talk yeah. about it or they feel like it's you're going to send the cavalry around when they even say it then they won't mention it because they feel like there's shame and that it's you know mm. something that's not okay and and yeah you know it's actually really normal yeah i must admit that that's something that i always keep to myself if i feel that bad i nearly always keep that to myself but i i find it tricky to talk about anyway i know when i went going back to i was i did mention it before but it was difficult for me to get the words out yes yeah the 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 thing about it is and listening to your podcast and actually talking about it the thing is it's about normalizing these things yeah it's a word that people don't say yeah people don't when it comes to that word when it comes to the word suicide everyone's like i can't say that word i don't want to go that far with it yeah. you know no, no. even when i've been to a doctor and that's how i feel like i feel suicidal i don't say that i don't say that word no no, because you don't you don't want to be sectioned. Well, no, and well, the thing about I don't know if it's NHS or doctors that you speak to, but it feels like you really, really have to be on the edge of something to, you know, get any get anywhere. Like, I don't, not I, mean, that I want to be sectioned. You know what I mean? The thing is, I feel like these people they obviously know their jobs, but when you go in, what you want is them to drop everything, and you know. You want to be treated like a human being and know yeah. that your problems matter as much as anyone else's and sometimes it feels like it's a checklist and if yeah. you're not saying you're at immediate risk, then... It's about learning those things, I think. Again, I suppose it depends on what sort of person you are. I, I, I like to know everything about the thing. Yeah. Um, which is why I think... I have that decent, extensive sort of horror movie knowledge because I like to know about the thing. Yeah. So I dip into it more. But again, like you say, with mental health, I think as soon as I realised that mental health was a thing, not just depression being sad, I dipped into it and I've mm-hmm. I've, I've I've looked into it and I'm I'm a mental health first aider now. Yeah. Which is a very tricky thing. Yeah. I did. A, I am as well, and the course was fantastic. Hard, but um, mm, yeah, it was hard. Actually, it was. There was a lot of homework. Yeah. Um, the thing is, when you learn to be a first aider, you, you know, hope it never happens. <laughs> well, no, not just that. But if you learn to be, I'm a physical first aider as well. But yeah. so if someone comes to you with a burn, you know immediately what to do about a burn. Yeah. Mental health first aid is very, you know. It's very tricky, very tricky, mm. and your hands are tied a bit. Or I, I mean, I don't know what your mental health first aid was like, but your hands are tied a bit in that you can't really do anything, mm. you know, apart from be able to help that person off the ledge, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and point, right. the, point them in the right direction. And I, and I had a, I, I, I found it difficult while I was doing that course to see what the first aid of it was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I must admit, I was saying it in quite a few of the meetings that we had because I think it was like a four day course or something. Mm. And I, I kept coming back to it, going, I was like, 
I'm, 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 I'm struggling to see what the first state is yeah. but o- over time, realizing that, you know, that the fact that they teach you all these markers and, you know, what it is you can do to help people and the fact that to a degree, your first aid training can lean into, like I say, noticing things, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I don't know, it's like learning like a duty of care to a degree, I suppose. Yeah. I was just going to say, you're right with it being difficult to know what to do because a burn is a burn and you mm. treat it the same way, but no two people experience mental ill health the same way even with two people with anxiety will experience that completely differently so it's so hard to know what to do I think one of the most important things and thankfully services are changing towards this is that it's person-centered so actually maybe ask the person what they want and involving them in their care planning which like you know you wouldn't do that with physical health you'd be like how would you treat a broken leg (laughs) I was hoping you'd tell me but (laughs) you know it is um that person knows what what they need in that moment yeah and it was just I guess just about helping guide them in that direction or at least yeah yeah Yeah. because sometimes they're so in it they wouldn't be able to tell you what they need, even if they know it somewhere in them. So, yeah, it's maybe yeah. bridging that gap. Yeah. Now, that was a wonderful thing that my work provided. Yeah, um, great. Because I'm also a peer listener as well, which mm. all it really means is that I have a telephone number, like a work telephone number. So yeah. if anyone has any any issues or anything that they want to speak about, then were available to them yeah that's that that's been really interesting I think I've I think I could do with a refresher of that course because it's so surprising when you do it realizing how much you don't listen to people yeah (laughs) yeah getting out of that um getting out of that habit of setting your brain up while someone else is talking Mm. Yeah, I've been doing it a lot in this interview. I'm sorry, but it's no, um, no, it's it's and and, and I and I I do it. I do it during my podcast. If somebody says something, that's probably why I repeat myself a lot on there. Because if somebody says something like, "Oh, I saw this," my brain goes, "Oh, I know a thing. I know about that." So I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> it's yeah, listening is a real skill. I had so much training on it for my job and and. I, we we spoke about how hard it was particularly with anxiety because you're yeah. so worried about what you're going to say and how you're going to present and making sure you say the right thing and phrase it the right way that you then actually haven't like you said oh I wasn't actually listening to what they said um it's, it's hard really hard yes it is hard yeah I've I've found that if I have one of those sessions though that I ask them if it's okay if I write stuff down because while they're talking if I can write it down because yeah, I say it's all, you know, I'll just I'll get rid of it or whatever, and it, there'll be no names on here and stuff like that. But it just just is easier to just do it that way for me because it just I don't know I don't know why it helps me take that information and I always think the really interesting thing about that is that when everyone comes to comes with a problem, they know what the answer is. They just want to say it to somebody. Yeah, that's yeah. really uh, it. Amazes me how often during something like that. 
that somebody talks themselves through it themselves. Yeah. You are, you are literally just there going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. My, yeah. My favorite question usually for that is, so what would you like the end result to be? And then they're away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found it interesting when you're talking about like needing to go back to the doctors. I just think it really highlights that um, people still talk about mental health as like, in terms of getting better. Uh, I just do not believe in that. I think um, because that it makes it sound like a cure. Um, I, I think it's a recovery journey that's ongoing and it might you know it's different for different people some people that would be lifelong some people that you know might not be their whole life but I have I have a lot of people say to me oh I feel like I've gone backwards or I've you know taken a real backslide and all these things actually it's just part of your journey that's just really normal and everyone regardless of whether they have mental health or not has ups and downs and good days and bad days because we're constantly trying to work on ourselves and make sure we're as well as we can be when we have those bad days we think we're taking a backslide and something wrong and actually it might just be part of the process and that's fine um it's just i think if you're in a place where you can manage it that's you know that's the goal really Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah i just like it sounds like you are there even though like you've had dips and it's really hard and like you might need more help sometimes than at other times you you're doing all the right things and you yeah. go to, you get help when you need it yeah yeah i've yeah it's a lesson learned over over a lot of time mm. but i've also a little bit of what you're saying is I've also realized that in all likelihood, this is something I'm going to be dealing with for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and now, but sometimes I think knowing that is enough, enough to know that the bad days, sometimes the bad days come basically. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the bad days come and you can't, but it's about, I think, managing that, you know, at least the antidepressants don't take away the depression, but they do sometimes soften the blow. Yeah. So it doesn't go, it doesn't go so extreme. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've found my way of dealing with it. And I think my, I've, my colleagues know, when I'm having a bad day because I just don't talk yeah my, my, my wife's the same she knows if I'm having a bad day I just don't talk <laughs> yeah do you have wellness plans and stuff at work um no not really I think the only thing that I can remember coming up recently was actually checking if people are okay and that's um yeah that's the only because we, we have listening peer meetings where we talk about talk about these things but i think yeah i don't re- i don't really know what it no i do know what it is it's about like i say actually checking if people are okay i don't and uh, 
I don't know what I was listening on. I tell you, I was listening to another horror podcast the other day, and it, it's like they were talking about, um, once again, like normalizing the, the mental health thing. It's like you don't, your immediate reaction doesn't have to be, I'm fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and we all do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of us go, yeah, no, I'm fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the fact that inside you might be screaming. <laughs> pure fire (laughs) it's i think we talked about it before on the podcast it's um if you say no it's like panic stations what's wrong talk about it actually sometimes i just want to say no i'm not but i don't want to talk about it i think we still need to normalize that yeah and i I found that my best way is to just shut up and not talk about it yeah that's the trouble is that um because there's some days you just don't want to talk about it or because you know people aren't necessarily as receptive to it as you'd like them to be or or is that a combination of both it's that and i also find i also find to a degree i'm quite short temper as well when i'm like that mm-hmm. so yeah, but i don't want i don't want to snap at people yeah um so like I say, my colleagues recognise it, and uh, I've been I've been lucky that I think over the years they've grown to realise that that that's what that's what happens, and they don't they don't talk to me if I'm like that. They don't talk to me, yeah. And they don't, and I'm, I'm it's two fellas actually that I work with, and it, they don't begrudge me at the next day, yeah. You know, yeah. And they they could. I could because they they spent the day not talking to anybody. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm a bit, I'd say I was probably a bit of a character at work. I'm always singing at the top of my voice or screaming, (laughs) screaming something. So I think it is a bit of a polar opposite on the days when I'm completely silent. You know, so I know, but like I say, I've been, I've been lucky to have been blessed with two fellows that don't hold it against me. But, and it's great that they don't, but of course they shouldn't because you're just experiencing things like a normal human being and we just don't give ourselves room to experience things. It's like um, it, it's like when people try to, try to cheer you up. Um, I had something that upset me the other day and I just said to like people around me are used to it now, but I just said, look, I need to wallow tonight. Um, to process it and then maybe tomorrow I'll be okay but I just but I need to get through that stage because I can't skip it because I'm not a robot (laughs) Mm. Um, so yeah it's it's okay to to have different moods and emotions and feel them and not have to apologize for that or put on the mask so weird isn't it Yeah, but it is. It's like you said, you're like, oh, God, what good people that I don't have to pretend like that I'm not feeling the way I am. And actually, like they are, I'm sure. But mm. like that's that should be like a baseline, right? <laughs> yeah, it should be. It should be. But I think I know for a fact that I'm a bit of an ass when I'm like that. So. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's the one thing I know is I am a complete ass. you know. So the fact that 
they don't hold it against me is, you know, because I don't know how, I don't know how regularly I do it. Probably. It's probably maybe once a month where I accidentally thought about that time 10 years ago when I vaguely said something to someone. And now I know for a fact that they hate me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that made me spiral into a mess of <laughs> whatever. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I can't relate at all. I breeze through life. I don't worry about a thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's just very relatable. (laughs) Stuff like this, what you're doing is what we need. You know, that's, that's it really. That's, that's how we move forward though, isn't it? You know, with people sitting down, talking about it, honestly, you know, I know I've been rambling on, but I've appreciated it. And I've really appreciated, you know, listening to your podcast, like Hannah talking about OCD. That was, I've, I never, I, I was one of the people, even though I, you know, I, I like to cl- claim that I know mental health stuff, but I was one of the people that thought OCD was a cleaning thing. Mm. Yeah, no, um, I used to be as well. It's never, never feel embarrassed or like apologize for those mm. things as long as you take the time to learn and continue to grow because we all have more to learn. Yeah. You know, that was one of the best things I've listened to. That was one of the best things I've heard on a podcast is it gave me so much information and uh, it was, yeah, it was really great. So that's, but that's what we need to do, isn't it? Well, thank you. That means a lot. And I know that will mean a lot to her as well. Mm. Hmm. yeah, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> no, it's it. It's a it's it's a worthwhile thing. If you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast, please see our show notes on our Facebook page for our suggested contacts. If you're interested in talking on our podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, you wonderful.